with Custodians of the Planet. Custodians of the Planet brings consciousness to environmental issues and looks at different perspectives regarding the tensions and harmony of human activities in a changing climate. More than half of the world's population live in urban areas, but this figure is expected to rise to as much as 80% before 2050. As we know, extreme weather events like heat waves, droughts, storms and floods regarding climate disruption are also on the rise, which will affect urban and regional areas. Scientists say that Australian cities could become uninhabitable due to the extreme heats in decades to come. Landscape architects are taking this prediction seriously and redesigning the future, so to speak. Making future cities climate-proof and livable are the primary goals of the contemporary built environment. Around the world, a range of mitigation and adaptation measures are being trialed and implemented. Today we will talk about green roofs, which are a local measures to mitigate climate change effects, with one of the experts in the field, Dr. John Blair from the Sustainable Built Environment Department at the University of New South Wales. John, welcome to Custodians of the Planet. Good afternoon. Thank you for inviting me. Let's start off with basics. What does urban mitigation and adaptation mean? Climate change mitigation is the process of reducing the rate of carbon emissions which we now generate, particularly in urban areas, but throughout the whole country in in practice. We can um, reduce those emissions by planting gigantic numbers of trees in the city and that absorbs the carbon dioxide and gives off oxygen at the same time, which is very beneficial. So that's, that's one way of uh, mitigating climate. Another way is to actually extract existing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. And that can be done. It is being done experimentally, but it's very expensive at this stage. And it is in, in testing process. So at the moment, we're really faced with reducing emissions. One way in which we could do this is to transfer our entire fleet of fossil fuel driven cars and uh, other vehicles into electric vehicles and that would get rid of a substantial proportion of carbon dioxide getting into the atmosphere from the cities. Now adaptation is slightly different although sometimes they're related. Climate change adaptation might be as simple as uh, building a seawall to protect us from the damaging effects of rising sea level, particularly during storm periods when waves come crashing in and and devour the coastal cliffs and cause collapse of buildings into the sea and so forth. This is happening in many places around the world. That's adaptation by putting large concrete blocks at the head of the beach, for example, to break the power of the waves or to put up seawalls, as I think Long Island in New York is doing. Hmm. Then my following question is, what is the role of 
green roofs in mitigation-oriented urban planning? Right. Well, because the vegetation on green roofs absorbs, which is called sequestering and storing carbon, green roofs and their vegetation have some small effect on mitigating climate change. In other words, drawing carbon out of the atmosphere that's already in the atmosphere. But the effect is not large, particularly on extensive roofs, are quite thin, only 100 to 200 millimetres of substrate, which is a form of soil. And that can only support very low-growing shrubs. And so the sequestration rate for very small plants is quite low. If you can move to an intensive roof, which is much thicker, maybe a metre, a metre of substrate thick, you can then have uh, large bushes and shrubs and low-growing trees. And these trees in particular sequester an awful lot of carbon dioxide. Unfortunately, to put in intensive roofs often means you have to have a specially constructed roof. The concrete slab in most of our apartment buildings probably not strong enough to support intensive roofs, only extensive ones. Tell me, are there any other benefits of a green roof? There are, there are lots of benefits. It can actually help in climate change mitigation by detaining stormwater, heavy rainfall events. Don't suddenly gush out into the stormwater f- sewers and overflow and contaminate everything, for example. The rainfall is detained for quite a long period of time, and so it's a more gradual process of less flooding that takes place if you have lots of green roofs. Of course, there's more uh, attenuation and detention the the greater the number of uh, green roofs you have. Green roofs also can help to keep a building cooler than it otherwise would be. But again, with an, an extensive roof, not a lot of vegetation, it provides some shading effect for the building, but only the first two floors. So if we're talking about a multi-story building, a green roof in total would have very little effect. But if we're talking about a two-story house, it would have a much more appreciable uh, cooling effect. Other, They're the two items which particularly help with climate change mitigation, in addition to carbon sequestration and storage. Besides the climate change mitigation? Other benefits, yes, quite strong. If you have a a green roof associated with photovoltaics and renewable energy production, the PV system will work much more efficiently because the roof is slightly cooler and PV operates in cooler rather than hotter temperatures. So that's one advantage. They maintain and probably enhance biodiversity. We have potential problem with bees, for example. Bees are extremely important to the agricultural economy and to us individuals insofar as they pollinate tomato plants, pomegranates, persimmons, bananas, and so extremely important in helping food production. Provide a lot of green roofs in the urban area and you will help to maintain the bee population in particular, but also other 
insects and birds because they have that habitat which they didn't have before. So great biodiversity initiative. They can dampen noise in the neighborhood, traffic noise. They have a slight acoustic benefit when they're there as opposed to an ordinary flattish roof without anything on it. Then particularly if you're working in a building which is overlooking a green roof, the sight of the natural world, it conjures thoughts of biophilia and aesthetics and well-being and so forth. So then if you can go further and you can install a green roof which allows people to access the roof and sit um, possibly under an awning because you don't want to go up there in summer it might be a bit too hot then the recreational passive recreational aspect plus the biophilia of being surrounded by uh, vegetation is probably quite noticeable and then lastly a very practical thing roof membranes on ordinary flat roofs don't last many years whereas they last double the amount of time on a green roof firstly they use a stronger membrane and then the membrane is covered so there's no ultraviolet deterioration of the membrane so it might be an opportunity for local agriculture and for permaculture people to grow their food on the rooftop right right yes it may be a very practical a green roof as opposed to one in which you sit in a deck chair and put your feet up on a stool or something. Definitely <laughs> better than the concrete. <laughs> Hypothetically, if one neighborhood or a whole city adopted green roofs, what kind of change could occur? If a whole city adopted green roofs, well, the change would be noticeable. Talking about a few degrees, not in double figures, But there's an issue which will prevent that. First of all, they're very expensive. Like even a very simple roof might cost 400 or so dollars per square meter in Australia. It's quite expensive here, much cheaper in the United States. And then secondly, many of our roofs are pitched. They're not flat. So that makes it more difficult to install a green roof and makes it more expensive again. Thirdly, a study done in Melbourne about the suitability of CBD, flat roofs, for greening in Melbourne, suggested that it was only about 18% that were really ideal for um, green roof installation because of overshadowing by other buildings. So you would only be able to plant very, very limited range of plants if they were not going to get any sun at all. Certainly agriculture would not be possible. And then sometimes the roofs are sloping uh, adversely, that is, not towards the sun. So don't get any uh, much less sun in that sort of situation. So the potential for green roofing in a city is actually probably quite small. So you have to pair green roofing where it's feasible with other forms of climate change, urban heating mitigation. Do you know any green roofs in Sydney? How many green roofs are there? Uh, well, in the city of Sydney, yeah, there's a lot. There's about 50 or 60. I actually have a, a listing of their location, <laughs> <laughs> plus the location of uh, all the green walls that also exist. And green walls have a small beneficial effect on, as far as heating is concerned. 
So how can individuals or businesses be encouraged to install green roofs? Particularly where they're expensive. Well, some cities, particularly in North America, give uh, subsidies. Subsidies is the answer. So if you install a, a green roof, they, in the case of New York City, for example, they give property tax credits of something like 45 US dollars per square meter if you install a green roof. So that's something of an inducement or a subsidy, if you like. Chicago gives floor area bonuses where you're in a development phase and you're planning to put a green roof on the top of that development. You'll get uh, floor area bonuses for that development. Toronto gives outright grants of $75 per square meter. So that happens. Sydney and Melbourne, that are the most advanced cities in Australia where green roof installation is concerned, don't give any inducements like that. But if you've got a development application which may contains a green roof, they will fast track your application. Instead of it taking the normal period of time, it'll take somewhat less. That's their only inducement, however. Are there any pilot programs, projects or research you're working on? Yes, there is one uh, quite unusual project at the moment, actually, with Dr. Paul Osmond in the Faculty of Built Environment. We are aware that community of native plant species called the Eastern Suburbs Banksia scrub is classified as extremely endangered by the New South Wales Scientific Committee and it is protected under state conservation legislation. What we would like to do, in fact we're in that process of organising it, is to help conserve and protect the eastern suburbs Banksia scrub for the long term, not just for the present. And it seems to us that it ought to be possible, given robust nature of these plants, but the fact that urbanization is gobbling up the land on which it grows now, it should be possible to put this species onto green roofs, allow them sufficient time to seed their seeds, encourage natural germination, and go through that sort of cycle, make the new plants available to be planted out at ground level in various semi-protected sites or make them available to nurseries so that at least the plant species themselves can continue maybe in different locations who knows maybe in the north of the state where they don't occur naturally it only occurs naturally in eastern Sydney and so nobody has uh, tried this method of conserving endangered plant species in Australia before. So this would be a national first. And we're in the process of doing the research design. That sounds really exciting. Hope all goes well. Dr. John Blair is a senior lecturer of Sustainable Built Environment Department at the University of New South Wales. John, thank you for taking the time with us today. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you, Denise. Custodians of the Planet is an independent and freely available media program, and it relies entirely on contributions from listeners. If you appreciate what we do and would like to support us, there are a few ways to do so. 
Start a conversation with your friends and colleagues and be part of the change. Share a link to our podcast on social media. Donate to our podcast. Each episode is the product of hours of on-location audio recording, editing, research, scheduling, and music composition. Just $10, a couple of coffees will sustain the hours of labor that go into producing each episode and ensure Custodians of the Planet is an ongoing series. Thank you for your support. For this episode, I'd like to say special thanks to Bonnie Paris for editing the scripts and Christian Fortis for his technical support. I'm Denise Zildes and stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you.